Ooh, I guess we're on. I guess I'm on. Am I on? Can you guys hear me? Okay. All right, we're on. All right, Mike will be back in two weeks, and I won't have to wear this thing anymore, which is good. So, Hey, as we're getting started, um, it's great to see everybody here on this uh, cloudy but not rainy day. Um, it was good to have the rain. We needed it, and thankful that it uh, uh, did not impede the national night out. So just a couple of things before we get started. I wanted to say thank you. Uh, if you showed up and helped out in any way with the national night out, it was a good time. It was a good time to have the neighborhood here. And uh, so we had lots of volunteers. Uh, the, the TV said we had 300 people here, but I don't know if that was quite accurate. So um, there was a few people here. Uh, and the bucket truck was fun. I didn't do it myself. I wimped out, but uh, lots of people did. And, and had a great time. Um, the other thing is I want to say welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Packard. It's good to have you guys. Yeah. And notice they sat right up front. So that's good. Uh, and then the other thing is there's no study sheet. Uh, so I apologize for that. It was one of those kinds of weeks. And since that's my least favorite thing to do anyway... Um, I just didn't do it, and so, anyway, so it didn't get done, uh, so I apologize, but there is an advertisement, it's a full-page advertisement for our 20th anniversary, so you're going to want to come to that, because it is one of the last performances for uh, blues, bluegrass legends Jed Zeppelin, uh, and so they played last night, which was just a lot of fun, uh, I had never heard Dan Mack sing. And so that was really cool. What's that? Who said that? Oh, was that Joe? So, so. Oh, Dan, well, no, Dan Mack danced and Joe sang. That's what it was. See, I got so confused. Yeah, you missed the dancing grill guy. It was, uh, right as people are coming in, there's Dan with the tongs doing the, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> The Macarena or something. I don't know. But, okay. Let's get focused. What are we doing here, guys? All right. Okay. So, let's see if this works. Are we on? Caleb's like, again? Every t- Caleb, I think it's every time you and I are paired, we have problems, right? So you may be driving again today. There we go. Whoa. Go back. Okay. Anybody recognize these? These TV shows? Yeah? Okay. Um, The one on the, uh, as you're looking at it over here, uh, is from the TV show Cheers. Okay. And I'm not here to recommend either of these shows. Okay. Um, I did watch Cheers. I will admit to that. Uh, Didn't watch Friends a whole lot. So I'm not recommending either of them. Um, but do you guys remember the chorus from the theme to Cheers? You guys remember what it was? And don't panic, I'm not going to sing it for you. Right? Okay, but it was, uh, you want to go where everyone knows troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name and they're, and they're glad you came. Right? And so the premise of the show was it was these, uh, these lovable losers that uh, would congregate in this bar. It, yeah, it's true. I mean, they, they all had... 
They all had issues. But the bar was the place where everybody was happy to see you. Everybody was glad you came. You remember Norm would walk in and everybody would go, Norm! Right? And they were just excited to see Norm. Okay, and then Friends. You guys remember the, the, the theme song to Friends? And I debated about doing this because you guys will have that stuck in your head while I'm teaching. So, um, But anyway, it was, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. Right? And so both of these shows, they were popular because uh, they tapped into a universal need that we all have. And it's the need to feel wanted and loved and welcomed and to be part of a community. Okay? And so that's why they were popular. Whatever else, whatever other flaws the shows had, and there were a lot, they tapped into that need for us to, to, to feel part of a community. Okay? And, and as Christians, we're not immune from that. And in a lot of ways, I think, I think that need is heightened in us. I, I think it's more intense in us. Because um, Romans 8 says that uh, the world is subject to futility. And that the creation is groaning for the day when uh, it won't be subject to futility. When it's going to be redeemed and it's going to be renewed. Okay? And since we have the Holy Spirit, we have an echo in us of what things are supposed to be like, right? So the world looks at it at like cheers or friends, and they think, this is as good as it gets, right? I go to a bar, people know me, I have some fellowship, or, or I go to this coffee shop and I have some fellowship. But, but we have something inside of us that knows there's a day coming when we're going to all be redeemed, when we're not going to struggle with our sin nature, when we're going to see Christ as he is, and we're going to be able to enjoy each other and God the way that we were intended to do. And so I think that creates a deeper longing in us for uh, community. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. This is, this is the last week uh, in the series that we have been going through. We've been talking about the one another passages um, and we've talked about um, we've talked about humility, and we've talked about unity. We've talked about how to love one another. And today we're going to kind of wrap it all up, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to have gospel community. What is what does a gospel community uh, look like? And when I talk about gospel community, I'm primarily talking about us, right? The 150 of us or so in this room. But the context, as we've seen through the other the other teachings is that we're part of a larger body. So we're part of a global body. Right? So I'm primarily talking to us right here in this room. But just keep that in context that we're, we're part of a global church. Okay, and today it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, you probably are not going to hear a lot of new things because we're just building on the things that we've already talked about. So you'll hear some recurring themes uh, from things that we've talked about. And as I was studying this week... I came across this article, uh, and it's by a guy named Howard Macy. And I had never heard of Mr. Macy, uh, but he works for the Navigators. And he had a definition uh, of biblical community that I thought was really good. And so I just it's up here. I'm going to read it to you. And what we're going to try to do today is I just want to simply answer three questions. What, what, is, what is biblical community? Um, how do we get it? 
And then why do we need it? Why, why does the scripture say we need biblical community? So that's where we're going today. So this is what Mr. Macy said. He says, the idea of community is, in a sense, from another world. A world very unlike our own. But it is neither from the world of communes in Vermont, which actually doesn't sound that bad, um, nor from the placid world of cookies and tea, think donuts and coffee for us in our context, because we don't have cookies and tea, Christians share before they rush back to their isolated lives. Community is from the world as God wants it to be. It is the gift of a rich and challenging life together one that we need and can receive with joy. Christian community is simply sharing a common life in Christ. It moves us beyond the self-interested isolation of private lives and beyond the superficial social contacts that pass for Christian fellowship. The biblical ideal of community challenges us instead to commit ourselves to life together as the people of God. Okay, and I want to read that last sentence again. The biblical ideal of community challenges us instead to commit ourselves to life together as the people of God. You guys remember two or three weeks ago when we were talking about unity? And I had a quote from Johnny Erickson Tata. And it said, believers are never told to become one. We already are one and are expected to act like it. Right? And we've talked a couple of times in this series about 1 Corinthians 11, how we're all individually members of one body. So we're all individuals, we're all diverse, but we are all part of a single body, single entity. All right? And so we're all part of each other. And so biblical community is simply us living out that shared life, which is, which is a reality whether we, whether we know it, or feel it, or acknowledge it, the reality is we're one with each other. We're part of each other. And so biblical community is simply us living that out together. All right? So that's just a basic definition of what it is. And so we want to answer, try to answer the question of how we get it. Hey. All right, and to do that, we're going to look at, we're just going to look at one passage of Scripture. And it's uh, Acts 2, verse 42. So if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 911. It's right up here on the screen, or if it's on your phone. All right, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So there were four things that the early church was devoted to. And what I want to do is I want to just kind of step through those four things, see what applies to us, and see how that can help us to build biblical community. All right? And so the first one is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. All right, so the, the early church had an advantage over us uh, in that they could actually go and listen to an apostle who had been with Jesus. All right, so can you imagine you wake up on a Sunday morning and, uh, hey, we're going to go to the temple. We're all going to gather in Solomon's colonnade, and we're going to hear John. We're going to hear Peter and John. Uh, we're going to hear them talk about the Messiah, right? And these are two people who have actually, they're eyewitnesses to the Messiah. 
In fact, in 1 John, John says, what we've seen, what we've touched, what we've beheld, uh, we're making known to you, right? So these, are, these were men who had been with the Messiah. They'd seen him firsthand. Okay, and so they had that advantage over us because they had the eyewitnesses. Well, we don't have the eyewitnesses, okay? But we have an advantage over them in that we have their teachings, okay? We have access to their teachings. And you guys know where I'm going with this, right? Because this is lion and lamb, and what do we say all the time, right? Read your Bibles, all right? And so they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to listening and learning from the apostles. And we need to be the same way. All right, We need to be in this book. We need to be reading it privately in our private devotions. We need to be reading it corporately together. We need to be reading it in uh, small groups. Okay, because it's in the book. It's in this book that we learn. We learn who Christ is. We learn who we are in Christ. We learn how we're supposed to relate to each other. How we're supposed to relate to the world around us. How we're supposed to keep ourselves from sin. Okay? And how we're supposed to live this life uh, together. Right? So right here, we have God's thoughts. Second... Uh, you know, the scripture says that these are God-breathed thoughts. And so we don't need to neglect the word. And the second part of devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching was, um, you know, they devoted themselves to it. And so when they were going to go to church, they were actively going to listen to the apostles. Okay, and for, for us what that means is, just like Hebrews says, we need to not neglect gathering together okay because that's where we're encouraged that's where our faith is built up we need to actively come to church so a lot of times i'll come to church and i'll have the consumer mindset well what am i going to get out of of this um or i won't leave the cares you know as bill prayed i won't leave the cares of the world because i'm thinking about what do i need to do um after church or you know maybe you're going to a ball game after church, or you're meeting somebody for lunch, or, or whatever. And so we're not actively coming to church seeking to interact with Christ, seeking to interact with God, and seeking to interact with each other. So part of that being devoted to the apostles' teaching is that we come to church, we come to church ready to learn, we come to church ready to fellowship with each other, we come to church ready to be in community with one another. Okay? And then the early church was devoted to, uh, to fellowship. All right? So um, community takes time. Building community takes time. And in our day and age, time is a precious, precious commodity. And it's, for most of us, it's a lot more precious than money is. Okay? Um, and so spending time in community with others is difficult for a lot of us. Uh, and it's difficult for, for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, is that we in the West, um, I was talking to 
I was talking to somebody this week, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, the Eastern Church does community so much better than the Western Church. And there's cultural reasons for that. But one of the reasons we have a hard time uh, giving each other our time is that we prioritize blood families over blood-bought families. Okay? So we prioritize our blood family over our blood-bought family. And, and please hear me, I'm not saying neglect your blood family for the sake of fellowship. Okay? But what I am saying is, let's try to find spaces, uh, you know, just like the Macintoshes find space for their student, let's try to find spaces within our blood families for our blood-bought family. All right? We just said one of our values is hospitality. And I think we do, we, we do a pretty good job of that. But... Let's find those areas where we can practice hospitality, okay, with each other. And that's difficult to do. It's difficult to find unhurried time, right? But that doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be uh, something that you'd see on HGTV, or it doesn't have to be something that would be uh, on Pinterest. Uh, It can be something pretty simple, just sharing uh, we got invited to somebody's house the other day, and we had water and homemade ice cream, okay? And so there was some effort that went into that to create the homemade ice cream, but it, we just sat around and, and, and had water and homemade ice cream, and we talked, and we laughed, and we prayed, and we had great fellowship. So it doesn't have to be something elaborate, but we need to find ways to make spaces for each other in our lives, Okay? Um, I just totally went off my notes. Okay, the other reason is it just amazes me um, really how overscheduled we are. Um, and that happens pretty quickly and pretty easily. Uh, you add a couple of things to the calendar, and then you add a couple more things to the calendar. And, and, and by the time you look at it, uh, your calendar is completely full, and there's no space in there to have the kind of time for each other that would lend itself to community, all right? And for some of us, that's a badge of honor, right? We talk about, oh, I'm so busy, and so, and, and that is totally the opposite of what we should be after, all right? We should be more into simplifying um, our lives instead of cluttering them with stuff that in the end is not really going to matter, all right, so nobody's going to remember what your ACT or SAT scores were. Uh, nobody's going to remember uh, you set a record or didn't set a record uh, in some athletic event. All right, none of that stuff is going to carry forward into the next life. All right, but the relationships we have are going to carry forward into the next life with believers. Okay, so all that people stuff is going to carry forward. All right, uh, my wife and I joke that she is the queen of shortcuts. So if there is a if there is a shorter way to get something done, she's going to do it. All right, and that and, and that causes a little bit of tension in our life because I like things done uh, the right way. Uh, okay, uh, but there's a method to her because she takes shortcuts in everything but stuff that has to do with people. Right, so she'll whip through the housework. Not that we have a cluttered house; we we have a nasty house. She'll, she'll, she'll go through that quickly so that she can play a game or she can be available to the kids, okay? Because that's the stuff that's going to matter. 
Not that the floor sparkles or that there's no dust or that, uh, you know, there's no weeds in the yard. None of that stuff is going to, none of that stuff is going to carry on. All right? But the time that we invest in each other and in relationships with each other, that stuff is going to carry on. Because we're going to be the, we're going to be the people that carry on. All right, the early church uh, was also devoted to the breaking of bread. And it was interesting that uh, most of the commentaries I consulted um, said that this was not actually meals together. This was actually referring to uh, taking the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do today. So that's pretty cool that we're going to do that. Uh, And you know, there aren't clear instructions on how often... Uh, and the scripture really doesn't say how often the early church took uh, communion. Maybe they took it every week. Maybe they didn't. We don't know. Um, so there aren't instructions on how often, but there are instructions on how. Um, and if you think about what the early church was doing when they were taking communion, that, w- that was an act of rebellion. That was an act of rebellious community. Okay? Because when they took communion, and I don't want to steal Willie's thunder, so I'm not going to, Willie's going to... Uh, Uh, come up here and talk about what it means to take the Lord's Supper. Okay, but when they were doing that, they were proclaiming that Christ was, one, he was God, and two, that he was the one and only way of salvation. And that was enormously offensive. It was offensive to the Jews because Christ said that he was God. Not that he was like God, that he was God. Right, you remember in the in the Gospels that was one of the things uh, they said he's blaspheming by making himself out to be God. So it was offensive to the Jews, but it was also offensive to the pagan Romans and Greeks. Right, because they said there's one God, and they they worshipped multiple gods. And in fact, uh, one of the accusations against the early church in Rome was that they were cannibals. Uh, you can read uh, texts. Tacitus and, and, and some other Roman historians, and they would accuse the early church of being cannibals because they had misunderstood Christ's command that to, to uh, eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and they thought that the early church was actually doing that. Okay? All right. So we're not, uh, we're not rebelling against our community and our culture in, a, in the way that they were, but when we take the Lord's Supper... We're still proclaiming the same things. And that's still offensive to our culture. Right? It's still offensive to the culture around us that we say Christ is the one and only way of salvation. Well, you guys are just being exclusive. You guys are just, uh, how can you say that? Don't all religions lead to the same place? So we're still proclaiming the same things that they were. And, And one of the ways that taking the Lord's Supper for us builds community is and again, I don't want to uh, uh, step on uh, Willie's territory, is that we practice an open table here. So if you are part of the body of Christ, whether you're a member of Lion and Lamb or not, if you claim to be a part of the, the universal body of Christ, then we welcome you to take communion with us. And so when we get up in a few minutes and we, and we take communion, we're saying something to each other. We're saying... The people that are in this room taking this table with us are part of our community. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are part of each other. Okay? And so that's how 
Uh, it builds community for us. And then finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, and it actually says the prayers. Uh, it's not clear what the prayers was, but uh, it's, it's mainly talking about prayer. All right? And we've talked about praying for one another. And, and there's, a, there's something that happens when you, when you pray for one another. There's a couple of things. One is when you come to somebody and you ask them to pray for you, um, there's a vulnerability there, okay? Uh, so you're admitting to someone, hey, there's something I need help with. Maybe it's a, a sin that you can't get a hold of, you just can't get control over. Uh, maybe it's a relationship issue that you're having difficulty with. And so you're, you're being vulnerable and you're asking somebody, would you come alongside me? Would you pray? Because this is something I can't do on my own. Um, and, and the other thing that happens when we pray, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book. Um, and in it, he says that um, Christians have a duty. It's a duty of Christians to pray for one another. And he says there's a couple of things that happen. Uh, when you pray for one another. One is, um, because we're all, uh, we're, all, uh, we're all sinners, right? We're all in process. We all get on each other's nerves, and, and, and we, we annoy each other, and, and we all have habits that we don't like, and, and all that, okay? So Bonhoeffer says that when you come to, and I'm not talking about sin, so if a brother sins against you, the, the biblical command is to go and confront them. I'm talking about just these annoying habits we have. Uh, that just get on each other's nerves. And Bonhoeffer says that when you, when you pray for a brother or a sister, you're taking that frustration, and you're taking that to, to Christ, and you're, you're casting that on Christ. Okay? And one, it relieves you of that burden. It relieves you of that. You're, you're casting that care on Christ. The other thing is, it's difficult to be annoyed with somebody that you're praying for. Okay? Because Bonhoeffer would say, as you come to, uh, as you come to Christ, as you come to God in prayer, and you're praying for that person, then you see them the way God sees them. All right. So that person you're praying for that has the annoying habit, they're a dearly loved child of the King in the same way that you are. There's somebody that Christ died for. There's somebody that has bought with His blood, in the same way that you are. And so all those annoying. Uh, things that somebody has or those annoying habits, they kind of get they kind of get washed away in that act of praying for someone. Okay, and one of the things I think is difficult for us is I, I would agree with Bonhoeffer that it's a duty and it's a privilege to pray for each other, and we should because the Scripture commands us. And as we've said before, those one another's are commands, are not suggestions. So we are to pray for one another. One of the, just a practical thing is we either forget, so will you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we forget to pray. Or we don't know what to pray for somebody. And, and usually for, for us, that's the more common thing, is we're just not sure what to pray. So we publish a prayer calendar. Uh, it's got people's names on it for every day of the week. And, and maybe you come to that, and you're just, you're, you don't know that person very well, and you're just not sure uh, what to pray for. Well, the good news is, is that you can open up this book and uh, almost anywhere you can find things to pray 
for somebody. Okay? Uh, so, so you can look at any of the epistles, and there's a section that Paul is asking for them to pray for him, and he's saying, this is what I'm praying for you. Okay? And so you can look and you can pray that for each other. All right? And, and one of the benefits of praying God's word back to him is God is going to honor his word. All right? So instead of us just a general, hey, God, would you bless this person? God, would you open their eyes to see uh, what it is you're doing in their lives? Would you open their eyes to see more of you? All right? And so we can pray the scriptures for each other. Okay, um, so as, we wind, as we're winding down, um, I just want to give a couple of thoughts on why biblical community is so important. Okay, and if you're asleep, wake up, because this is the most important part. Okay, don't pound on the, pound on the podium. All right, so one of, the, one of the reasons biblical community is so important is because, because within... Our community is where the truths of Scripture are lived out. Okay? So, um, I didn't tell her I was going to do this, and I hope it's fine. Um, so maybe you have, um, you're familiar with James 1.9, right? Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of many kinds, right? For the testing of your faith. Uh, maybe you've memorized that verse. Maybe you've studied that verse, Okay? Uh, and you're familiar with that. Listen, that verse comes to life when somebody like Deanne Blankenship gets a cancer diagnosis, and she is excited because she gets the opportunity to witness to her oncologist. Okay? That makes that verse come alive. And when we're in community, we have people in our community who are praying for prodigal children. Okay? Who have unbelieving spouses and they're they're doing what the scriptures say to live quietly and gently before them. We have people that serve diligently and faithfully in the nursery and the Sunday school. Okay? Back in the tech room. People that make this gathering possible for us. All right, people who give generously of their money and their minutes to keep the lights on, keep this functioning. Okay, and all those people, they're living out all the scriptures, right, which tell us to pray without ceasing, to give generously, to love one another, to serve one another. Last night we saw it, right? So there were people that came together, gave of their time to serve our community. They're living out what the scriptures say. And as we're in community with each, with each other, we get to see that happen. We get to see those lived out. And the, it cannot help but strengthen your faith to see that. All right? Because let's be honest, you can read the scripture and you can read it, and a lot of times the Holy Spirit will impress on you and, and, and make an impression on you. But when you see somebody do it, that really makes an impression. Okay? And then the, the other reason we need to have a biblical community uh, is because that's one of the ways that the faith is transmitted to the next generation. So here at Lion and Lamb, 
uh, it is our firm belief that parents are the primary teachers of their children. Okay? You're the ones that are going to be held responsible for your children. And the church is just to come alongside you. But all of us have a part to play in helping parents transmit that faith to their to the next generation. Okay, there's, guys, there are really scary statistics that say that 7 out of 10 uh, kids in churches are going to walk away from the faith. So think about that. 7 in 10. Some of those kids will come back. Some of those kids won't. All right? And one of the main reasons they give for not for walking away from the faith is that they don't see it lived out. Okay, they don't see it making an impact on people. And primarily that's in the home that they don't see that. But if if they don't see if they don't see us living out what they're being taught in the home and hopefully they're being taught biblical values, if they don't see us serving one another, loving one another, sacrificing for one another, then they're not going to want what we're telling them. Okay? Because they'll see, well, it really doesn't make an impact with any of those people. All right? So if our culture, if our culture is not more dominant than uh, the world's culture, all right, with, with all the money that goes into entertainment and all the money... Uh, that goes into advertising to our kids, if our culture is not more attractive to them, then we're going to lose some of these kids. And so that's why it's incumbent on all of us, right, to do those things, to have that kind of community so that they can look at that and they can say, well, wait, no, I want that. I want what they have. Because this is a family that loves me. This is a family that cares. This is a family that is impacted by the scriptures. And I want that. Because it's way more attractive than whatever it is they're trying to sell me over here. All right. All right. I didn't have a study sheet. Again, uh, I apologize, but I do have... Okay. I do have two questions for you as we wind up. Um, and one I don't want an answer to necessarily uh, unless you want to share it Uh, the other one I do want an answer to okay and so the first one is for you guys to think about uh, for you to pray about and and, uh, maybe talk about with your your families or your small groups and it's what keeps you from having uh, deep and meaningful community Is is it a job is it is it time is it um, whatever it is, and then what are you going to do to change that? Maybe you've got to let go of something, or maybe you've got to uh, reprioritize something to have that kind of community that we should have. Okay? And then the other one is, what is, it, what is an institutional? What, what's a barrier? So I guess what I'm asking is, what is it that we do or don't do as a church that inhibits that? that inhibits you having that community. Okay? And that's the, that's the question I would love to have an answer to. So you can, you can email me or you can slip a note 
in the door or um, you can put something in the offering boxes uh, right on the little card. But I'd love to have an answer to that second question because I would love for us to have that kind of community. All right. Um, okay, the, the early church was committed to each other. Um, they were committed to each other. They had community. And as you read through Acts and as you read through the scriptures, that partially that community was one of the reasons that the world was changed, that the world was turned upside down. And it's my hope and it's my prayer for us is that we can have that kind of community and that we can turn our 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 neighborhood and our city uh, and our state, we can have that same kind of impact. So let me pray. Father, we just uh, thank you so much, dear God, that uh, you created us for each other, uh, that you created us to, uh, to be part of each other, dear God, that it is a reflection of uh, the community that you enjoy uh, as part of the Godhead. Father, would you help us to uh, set aside those things that uh, get in the way uh, of, our, our, of our enjoying community? Um, would you help us to reprioritize or whatever it is, dear God, that we need to do uh, to have that? Would you help us to do it, uh, Father? And, and not for community's sake, dear God, but for your honor and for your glory, dear God, to be a witness and to be an example to the world around us uh, that there's something different about us, dear God. Uh, Father, as we worship you in song, uh, would you just give us grace and uh, all that we need, dear God, to make much of you. In your beautiful name we pray it. Amen.